Fear not, O land. <clears throat> be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain faithfully, and He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vatch shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand with me and grab the hand of the person next to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather this morning, not just to fellowship, not just to break bread, but we gather with one central purpose, with one mind, unity of heart, and that is to lift up the name of Jesus. That is to worship Him together as a body, as an ecclesia, a unit, a people called out. You said, no longer will I dwell in the temple built by man's hands, but I will dwell in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And so we gather this morning as your people to worship you together corporately. Lord, we humbly present ourselves in this moment. We position our hearts with humility. We don't look down on ourselves. We don't consider ourselves worthless. We position ourselves in accordance to what you have said to us, and that is to come boldly to the throne. And so we come boldly this morning, and we declare with one voice, with one mind, with one heart, we receive your reign. And everything that you'd have for us this morning, we receive it by faith. Like a flood, like a flood, we receive your rain. Oh, like a flood, like a flood, we receive your love. Come on, one more time, let's sing. Like a flood, like a flood, we receive.
this, for God so loved the world that he gave. There was no conditions. There was no prerequisites. There were no instructions. It was simply a demonstration from a father, a God, the only God, the one, the living God, who created the heavens and the earth, who was and is and is to come. It was a demonstration to us, his creation, of how much he loved us with no strings attached. And all we have to do is receive it. receive it right now whatever it is that you're believing God for even if you don't understand it theologically especially if you don't understand it naturally in your natural mind whatever it is that you're believing God for just lift your hands up and just say I receive it in the name of Jesus I receive I receive pertain to life and godliness no lack nothing missing nothing broken we receive it right now in the mighty name of Jesus I don't even I you know what even if you don't if you don't feel like especially if you don't feel like it if you're the one sitting and saying or standing and saying I'm not gonna do that I don't feel nothing you're the one that needs to say it the loudest There was, a, uh, there was a TV show that a friend of mine was watching and he said that this man came up to this girl and he said, I forgive you. And she said, I don't need your forgiveness. He said, it doesn't matter. I give it anyway. It's like God has said, I forgive you. I forgive you. He said, who forgave the sins of the world? And we still operate under a mentality that we need to be forgiven. No, no, he's already demonstrated. All you have to do, listen, forgiveness was given. All we have to do is reach out and receive it. I remember uh, uh, at, when I was at Bible school, Pastor, Pastor Hagen would always say, he would call everybody up. You know, every Sunday there were people that would just get born again. And he would say, he would say, listen, if in the natural, if I said to you, I wanted to give you, I'm giving you this knife. I'm going to give this to you. It's my gift to you. What would you have to do? You'd have to reach out and receive it. That's all it is. Listen, he's giving us finances. He's given us health. He's given us clarity of mind. He's given us not a spirit of fear. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And all we have to do is receive it. Your feelings has absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing. It doesn't have anything to do with it. Our feelings will line up with what we believe when we tell them to line up. And we just say, Father, we receive everything that you have for us this morning. 
Everything you have for us today, everything you have for us the rest of this year, everything you have for us, anything and everything that has to do with us, we receive it right now. Whether we understand it or not, we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Some of you say, well, how, how do I transition from the way that I feel and I begin to operate according to what I believe? Because I, I don't feel like my husband loves me. I don't feel like my wife loves me. I, I don't feel like my finances are in place. I, I don't understand where I'm at and, and I don't understand what's going on. And, and I feel this in my body and I feel this in, in, in my soul and, and my mind plays tricks with me. And people are talking about how do I transition you stop it. You tell it to shut up. And you say, Lord, I receive your rain. I receive your love. And then you thank the Lord. Lord, I thank you that, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is the victory. The victory. We're not, we're not striving for victory. We're striving from a position of victory. We're not trying to get God to bless us. We're not trying to get breakthrough in our life. We're operating from a position. Breakthrough is mine. We walk around. We, 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 we let the world and we let religion steal things from us. When are we going to stand up and say, mm, no, no more. I'm not doing this no more. No, that's, that's mine. The Lord has said that's mine. I receive it by faith. Period. Period. And you say, you can't be that simple. It's exactly that simple. It is. It really is. It's that simple. I receive it. What are you believing God for this morning? What are you believing God for this morning? There's, there's envelopes right there in front of me. Grab one of them envelopes. Whatever it is you're believing God for, grab an envelope in front of you and write on it what you're believing God for. Whatever it is. Write on the inside of that envelope somewhere what it is you're believing God for. Then fold it over and on the, on the outside of that envelope write, I receive it in Jesus' name. Listen, we've done, I've done this for years. What is it that you're believing God for? Write it down. It could be as simple as being out of debt. It could be as simple as being healed. It could be as simple as 
a million dollars. What is it that you're believing God? Listen to me. I want you to listen to me. Look at me real quick. I don't want you to write down what you need. Don't write down what you need. That's God's priority. God said, I will supply all your... I want you to write down. This is going to be a stretch for some of you. I want you to write down what you want. Well, I need $100 because my light bill's due. I, I don't want... No. I want to know what you want. Well, what I want is carnal. Well, everything we want is carnal. In the natural, what is it that you want? What is it that you're believing God for? Write it down. Fold it up. seems too easy that's exactly what it is it's easy Jesus said take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light we make it complicated it's not rocket science now nobody else is going to see this but you hold it up and it says, For surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. First John, or third John, says this, says this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, somebody say anything anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him now listen to me just say it out loud turn to your neighbor and say I receive it I receive it. Now, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it in your binder, whatever it is that you see. And every time the enemy comes to talk to you about whatever you put on this list, just go, uh, mm -mm. I've uh, received. See, now that's faith. But I don't feel like it. Like I said, we don't walk by feelings. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Listen to me. Don't you feel different? Your body, your mind may be going, oh, this ain't going to work. But, but listen to me. Tell your mind to just hush. Check down in your spirit. Don't you feel a relief? A release? Put it somewhere where you can see it. And then you remind him every time. 
Because he'll come. He'll come and he'll say, well, you know, that was just emotions. Well, for some of you, it wasn't. For some of you, your emotions ain't got nothing to do with it because you didn't want to do it in the beginning. Even now, you're sitting there going, is this going to work? Listen, stop. Tell your mind to hush and just say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Like the faith of a child, the child does. The child gave $20, and the Lord said, I'll give you $20 back shortly. Why don't we do like that? Because we've been programmed, we've been taught, religiousness, flesh. No, 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 faith is a child. Mm, Faith is a child. Yes, I'll do it. Some of you, the Lord spoke to you while she was giving that testimony and you hadn't done it yet. Do it. Do it. Amen. Amen. Joshua chapter 2. Now, I'm going to come back to that piece of paper in just a minute. Not in a bad way. I said, I thought he told us to forget about it. Yeah, I'm talking about I wanna, I'm going to show you something. Joshua chapter 2. Before Bill Otten came last weekend, the week before that, I just felt like the Lord was saying the final moments. I'm hoping, we're praying and believing that we'll have a signed contract this week on the building. <laughs> yeah. Along with that contract will be a urgency. So I'm just getting you ready and prepared. Now, we get to sign contract, we got to get gone. So I need you focused. I need you mentally and spiritually in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. I need you geared up and ready because what you know as New Covenant Church will no longer be. How we operate will no longer be operated in the same way. We're going to be different. We are different. We're already different. All we're doing is training. And so in these final moments, I felt like in these final moments, there are some things that he is trying to get over to us. Bill Otten being one of them about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I was reading this morning in the very last verse of the last chapter of 2 Corinthians, he said intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's what we did this morning. Being led. None of this, very little of this was prepared ahead of time. But the Holy Spirit knew and so we're just being led by the Spirit. But the the final moments, there's a mindset shift that's got to take place. And I think that as long as we're in this building, there's a certain mindset that's going to be fastened to us. But the moment that we have that release and we know we're moving forward, that begins to fall off. And so I'm getting you ready for what's coming in the future. I'm getting us ready for what the moments are going to be revealed in the future. The moments of... Joshua chapter (coughs) 2, Joshua chapter 2 verse 1, now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Messiah 
from the Asai Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered to your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road of Jordan to Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to the roof and said to them, Men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And when what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. You know, there's a big difference between the culture that we live in and the kingdom of God. And our responsibility, our mandate, is to bring the kingdom of God into full manifestation and full expression upon this earth. So as we're shifting from one mindset to the mindset, as we're transitioning from the old into what God has birthed into one love, there is a shift in mindset that we need to have. And I, I felt like, for me, the Lord took me back to the very beginning here and he said, I want you to notice, I want you to watch this, I want you to see how they performed what God had promised to them. Because there's a key. The first thing I saw was, now Joshua the son of Nun sent two men. I said, Lord, why two? Why not ten? Why not one? Why two? And I'm telling you, I studied and looked and looked, and I couldn't find a commentator. I couldn't find anyone that really brought out the significance of two. You know that there's no insignificant details in the Bible. None. Every word, every phrase, every city, every time he referenced Joshua, the son of Nun, there's a reason, there's a specific spiritual meat, there's seed, there's, there's life in these words. And if we don't understand how, if we don't understand why, if we don't understand what, we'll just blow through these things like never before when the Lord desires for us to pull out the nuggets of truth. Why two? Why two? For days, why two? <clears throat> the Lord said, well, first of all, Joshua was very intimately familiar 
with what happens when you send 12. Why 12? And I said, Lord, why two? He said, because you only need two. You don't need 12. It muddies up the water. It does. So then I looked at it this way. <clears throat> God's giving us a strategy of simplicity. You don't need to call everybody and their mama to be praying for you. And listen, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We believe in that. When, when tragedy strikes, when things strike, you need, you want people praying for you. But listen to me. Don't just blanket the internet for anybody and everybody to be praying for you. You need to have a, a group of people. You know, we have an email. We have a Facebook. We have Instagram accounts where we can put the prayer requests on there. And that's fine. But you need someone. You need somebody. You need some folks that you can go to and you can say, I need you to pray for me. We've lost that. It's like we've gone from one extreme to the other. And instead of not praying, you either one way or the other. You either don't want nobody to know your business. Nobody. Which is, what's the Greek word I was looking for? Uh, stupid. Or you want everybody to know your business. Which is the, what's the Greek word for that? Stupid. So you don't want nobody to know your business, and you want everybody to know your business, and they both produce the same thing, nothing. So the Lord said, <clears throat> this is what I heard in my spirit, keep it small, keep it simple, and keep it in sync. Keep it small, keep it simple, and keep it in sync. There's a handful of people that I'll call, a handful. Not because I don't trust other people, not because I don't want them to know. No, there's a, there's a gestation period where you want to protect that thing. I can't tell you how many times, listen to me, I can't tell you how many times I've come up to somebody and go, this is what I see. And they go, what? And they take out their sword and they start cutting that thing and whittling it down. And then I leave and I got this baby and it's bleeding. I was pregnant and now I'm bleeding. Because I opened myself up to people, to anybody and everybody, and they destroyed. Thank God for grace and mercy, and thank God for people that listen to the Holy Spirit and come up beside me and go, the Lord woke me up last night and said, don't you worry about what that fool said. But how much, how much would it have been better if we did just, okay. You're not keeping it a secret forever. Well, secrecy is wrong. That's not in the Bible. He said he sent two men out What secretly. Here's something else for you. He didn't, let, he didn't make an announcement to all the children of Israel either. Hey, listen, this is what we're doing. We're going to send Langston and Inez out to spy out the land. Everybody good with that? <clears throat> you know, when we started walking down this road <coughs> in December, when the Lord spoke to me about some specific things. And that's when he said to me, he was talking with me, and we were having a conversation. I wasn't praying, we were just having a conversation. Any of you talk to God and have conversations with him? 
daily? You should. But we were talking, and it's like, it was one of those times where he starts talking to me. And I'm just like, can you slow down for a minute? I can't write it down. And so we were talking, and he said, it's time for what you know of New Covenant Church to die. Because, he said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit. That was in December. So almost, let's just say that we signed the contract this week. And let's say it takes 60 days. So we have to be out the day or two after Thanksgiving. That's 11 months of gestation period. And we waited to tell you guys until April. The Wednesday night we had, the meeting we had here, and we had food, and we said, God has said, and all the elders, we were up here, and we were talking about what God had told us. That was in April. Why? Because we don't trust you? No, because there's a process. You need that process in your life. There are things that are in your heart that if you're not careful and you just let everybody know, the enemy can come and and nip at it and destroy it and hurt it. And now you've got to go through this healing process of gestation some more. But he said he sent two. Once again, why two? Why not three? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Why two? Because two is the number of unity. The Bible said that is the least amount in the Old Testament and then referring it back into the New Testament concerning all things, not just a few things, but all things. But in the Old Testament, if you were going to bring a charge against somebody, you had to have at least <coughs> you had to have at least two witnesses. <laughs> Listen to me. Not hearsayers. Witnesses. If we just governed our life by that principle alone, we'd save ourselves a lot of heartache. Well, I saw the pastor, blah, blah, blah. Two witnesses. Not two people who heard what you saw. Two witnesses. Well, I saw such and such. I saw Langston do this. Two witnesses. That's why the Bible says that if you're going to bring an accusation against an elder then you better have your ducks in a row because that's a serious thing. You better have emails, you better have photographs, and there better be more than just one person. There better be at least two people that saw the same thing. That's significant. So how does that apply to our lives? He said because we're two or more are gathered. Go there to, uh, Matt, I think it's uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Why the significance of two? Because two is the number of unity. Matthew chapter 18. Come on. Two is the number of unity. It conveys the meaning of a union. A man and a woman constitute one, but they are two. And they are made one in men. At the minimum, it takes two people in the Old Testament to convict someone of a crime. And then he, then Paul affirmed it. In the end times, listen, in the end times, everybody say we in the end times. Two witnesses will appear 
on the world scene to testify and uphold the truth of God against the beast and the false prophet. Two, Jesus sent the disciples out Matthew chapter 18, you ready? Verse 19, and again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Well, now, Pastor... He's talking about dealing with people that are sinning. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It's funny how people always... They always want to criticize what the Bible says, but they never want to criticize what they don't do the Bible says. Did Did I get that out right? Well, you know, that doesn't apply. To just You can't just lay your hands on a car and agree and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to believe with you for this building. You can't do that because he wasn't talking about that. But yet, you don't even go, you go to everybody in Facebook and Instagram and everybody else before you go to your brother that hurt your feelings. And it really wasn't nothing about what you did. It was really blown out of proportion because we know that the enemy does that. <clears throat> I can't tell you in times past how I've done that. I've been mad at April because she ain't here. She can't defend herself. She's in there with the kids, the nursery. Can't tell you how many times I've been upset at her and I concoct this thing in my mind that is why she's acting the way she's acting and I go through this whole emotional video reel for an hour to come to find out she was just tired. Right? Or your, or your friend, or, or your brother, okay? Your brother... Looks at you the wrong way. You know, Langston and I were talking on the phone the other day, and he said, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, listen, I apologize if it came out strong. I said, that's why I called you. He said, I know, but Inez tells me sometimes I come across disrespectful. I said, that's why I called you. Not the disrespectful, but it comes across strong. Hey, what do you think about this? No, I don't like that. I wouldn't do that. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. But we get mad. We get mad. Well, you asked the brother. I didn't get, listen, I didn't get mad. He was apologizing. I said, you don't have to apologize. I'm not mad at you. You didn't come. I asked you a question. You gave me your opinion. What do you think about this? No, I don't like it. How much simpler do we need it? But we go, well, I don't know. Let me pray. We don't have time for that. We've got to make decisions. And the Bible says there's wisdom in the multitude of Okay, but let me, let me let you in on a little secret. Not everybody's qualified to be a counselor. He didn't say there's wisdom in the multitude of people knowing your business. He said there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. See, this man is qualified as a counselor. <clears throat> He's qualified to be a counselor because God gave him her, and she helps him counsel everybody, right? They're qualified. Why? Because their their track record has been proven. They've been faithful. They've been diligent. And they've been here. Watch for it. The biggest one, here. But they're qualified. See, if I call him and I say, what do you think? He does the same thing. Because we all, we've created this system where, 
let's just cut to the chase. What do you, I'm, think, I'm looking at this. What do you think about it? Well, he's a little nicer about it. In other words, because that's his personality. Langston sees prophetically. He's like, no, that'll kill you. Don't do it. Okay. He's like, well, I could see how that would cause harm. We need them all, right? See, when you're on the verge of life and death, you don't necessarily need. You need. So I saw this this morning for the first time. I can't tell you how many times I've read this. I can't tell you how many times I've used it. But I've heard people say you take it out of context. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I'm fixing to knock your socks off. Because it knocked my socks off, so I'm believing that it's going to knock your socks off too this morning. Listen, because if he hears you, you have gained your brother, right? Wouldn't you say that the primary reason why he said, if your brother, if your brother sins against you, go to him alone. Why? What's the reasoning? Because if he hears you, what have you gained? Okay, you got it. That's the point of the parable. Set that right here. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. What would our churches look like if we did that? Which we have. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. It doesn't mean you stop loving him. It doesn't mean you stop praying for him. It just means that a little levy levies the whole. But there's a difference between somebody walking through a process of dealing with things in their life and they're dealing with them. And there's a difference between rebelling against what God's put his finger on and you just reject it. Assuredly, I say to you, listen, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I say to you that if two of you agree, for where two or three are gathered in my name. So he's talking about binding and loosing. He's talking about the power of agreement. And he's talking about what happens when you gather together. Three things. What do those three things have to do with your brother sinning against you? This is why he said two. Because Jesus is saying this. Because if he hears you, You've gained your brother. For what purpose? So that we can agree. So that we can stand in agreement together. So that we can bind on earth and loose on earth together. And so that when we come together, God dwells in the midst. Listen, God dwells in you. The minute you walked in the door, God shows up. But there is a corporate anointing that only happens when we gather together. We're not going to gather together if she's mad at me. And Joshua knew it wasn't about the number. It was about what the number signifies. Glory to God. Unity. He sent those two out because he trusted those two. He knew those two. And he said, they already knew what God said. 
They already had been down the merry-go-round of what happens when you come back and you doubt what God has said is yours, and then you got to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. They already knew. But Joshua was smart. He did it in secret. Secrecy isn't a bad thing. Because then what happened? They came back, they reported, and he gathered the whole church together, and he said, guess what? We're selling, we're dying, and we're birthing. But you can't say that unless you know that you know and you have what? Why did we wait till April to tell everybody? Because we needed the elders to be in unity. And that took a little moment of time. It's taken a moment of time for us as a body to get unified together for what God is calling us to do. The world is not ready. But listen to me, they've already heard. You drive by this big building, you see all of our cars out there. And the first thing you think of is, how can they still be having church in that big old building with that few cars? And look at you, look at the people around us today. Look. This is a healthy, good-looking, rich, blessed, prosperous, church body of people. But you pull them in this big old building, in this big old parking lot, and it causes people to go, hmm? What do you think they already know? They've already heard what God has been doing. It is a flat miracle financially that we are still here. It's a miracle. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Do you understand that we have to crack a $6,700 payment between the mortgage the power bill and the insurance, $6,700 on average is what we got to crack before anybody gets anything, does anything, or says anything, or ministers to anybody. And we've done that since I've been here for seven years. That's a miracle. Two. Why two? Why two? I'm going to stay on two. Why two? What's the most valuable, what's the biggest gift someone has ever given you? Think about it. What's the biggest gift that someone's ever given you? You got it in your mind? What is it? Say it out loud. Children, Jesus, come on you spiritual people, Jesus and the Holy Ghost, what else? Your wife. What else? A car. What else? Friends, daughters, a pastor. Thank you. <laughs> Sheep, wonderful people. Do you know what the most valuable thing that's ever been given to me? Trust. Trust. It's a valuable, valuable thing. Joshua trusted. I don't know why two is so significant other than to say it doesn't take 15. It just takes two. What is it that God has birthed in your heart that you're like, I got to tell somebody. Don't tell everybody and don't tell somebody. Tell the right body. Tell the right person. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep it small, simple, and in sync. <clears throat> I could just preach that and that'd be good, right? 
Romans 4.20 says this, and then we'll go on to the next one. Romans 4.20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How did he not waver? Because he kept it small, he kept it simple, and he kept it in sync. Just because people act like they in faith, it doesn't mean they're going to stand strong in the face of, what, what, of difficulty. Just because people have a sticker on their car. I woke up this morning thinking it was fall. Just because people have a sticker on their car, just because they talk faith, just because they act faith, it doesn't mean they're in faith. People doubted me. They did. They had one lady prophesy in a note that I would be gone. Like somehow she had a dream that ninjas were going to come. And like cut people up and like destroy and I would be hiding under a table and I would leave. How'd that work out for you? You know why I trust Langston and Bill and Casey and Morris and their wives? Because they're still here. You can talk all the talk you want to. At the end of the day, when somebody's still standing and they're still here because God is said to be here, Mr. Don's still here. Mr. Don said, I ain't going nowhere. The Lord called me here. He said, I ain't going till the Lord tells me to go. And I got a word from Mr. Don. The Lord said, He ain't telling you to go. Ever. This mission, what God is calling us to do, what God has called you to do, is it requires a secretive privacy for a season of time. Because if you, if you, if you don't conceal it, if you don't protect it, if you, if you don't guard it and pray over it, <clears throat> then the unfavorable, exaggerated, publicly circulated Reports of people that may not be at the same level of you would dispirit the other people and they already saw how that turned out. Listen to me. I, I, I really would prefer not to wander around in the desert for 40 years. Another 40 years. I've said to the Lord and I keep saying it. Lord, whatever I don't know, show me. Whatever I can't see, reveal it to me. And if I'm still not listening, then thank God for the wife that you've given me that she will speak truth into my life. And if I'm not listening to that, you've given me other men. You've given me other... I don't want to wander around in a circle for 40 years for a journey that should have taken seven days. And how many churches, how many Christians are still walking in that same circle? You know, if you go out into the reason why you need to come, I learned this when I was 11 years old. When, when we, were at, uh, we were at a church in y'all remember, y'all remember the Royal Rangers? Anybody remember that? Nobody remembers the Royal Rangers, all right? I, I, so they give us this little compass, and they say, well, why do you need a compass? Just walk straight. If you set yourself in the middle of a forest or uh, uh, woods, 
and it is large enough and you start walking, eventually you'll just walk around in a circle because everybody has a certain swag. It's proven. Everybody has a certain swag. And if you don't have something to guide you, if you don't have something to point you in the right direction, if you don't have a place, a compass that says, this is the way, walk ye in it, then you'll walk and walk in circles and circles. And then you're going to blame God. You're going to blame your pastor. You're going to blame your parents. You're going to blame everything, society, when the whole time the instructions were right here. Why do we keep hitting our head against the wall? Sandra, Robert, Robert and Sandra are here this morning. But Robert Simmons said, I said, went to him a few years ago when I'd hurt my back. And I said, well, how do I, you know, what do I do? How do I stretch it? And he said, well, you stretch it until you feel the tension and then you back off. And I said, well, I've always been taught, push through the pain, boy. You know, when you're in the gym and you're like, it hurts, and they're like, push through the pain, just whatever it is, just push through it. He said, that makes as much sense as running your hand up against the wall, and when you find a nail, you just start doing like that. He said, pain is there for a reason to tell you that something's wrong, something's not right. You don't beat on the pain, you listen to the pain. We're walking in this life, and we're walking around in circles because we refuse to govern our life according to what he said. And so we get everybody's opinion involved when we only need two. I'm not saying don't get counsel. I'm not saying don't come to... There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. But if you don't know if someone's qualified to be a counselor, you need to see their credentials. And I don't mean a degree. I mean they've been here. They, what The fruit is coming out of their life. You, and you can't see that in a 30-second infomercial. You have to be with them. You have to see them. You have to experience it with them. There are things, we'll say this one more time, there are things that God has put into my heart, things that I see, and I'm not going to share them with you. Not because I don't trust you, because I don't trust myself yet. The things that I see, I don't want to say what I see, because then if I'm not, you know, it's kind of like, I remember a, a pastor that uh, has two campuses, one in, uh, one in uh, uh, Missouri, not Branson, and one in Branson, Missouri, and one in Sarasota, Florida, and he said he was believing God for a jet. But, you know, you got to travel that far. You need, you, you know, Delta can only do so much. And he said, but I couldn't get the wings. You know, he said, I tried to believe I couldn't. So he didn't tell nobody. He waited and waited and waited until he had that thing inside of him where he could say, this is what I'm believing God for. You got to be careful that you don't promote, that you don't give that to somebody until it's time. That's why uh, adultery is so bad because you're giving what's precious to her, that should be for her or for should be for him. You're giving what's precious to someone else. This is the this thing that God has put in you is precious. Listen to me, there's things that I ain't never said to anybody. Except April. And I had somebody come up to me the other day. And he said, he started what he thought was prophecy. He started prophesying. 
And he started whittling away at this dream. And I had never seen either, but he started whittling away. And I said, how is that even possible? Because they seen, they might not see the specific, but they seen what you, the, the, the aura. They see your personality and what it carries. And they, they're well-meaning people. They're just sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. And they come and they start, God doesn't do that. God doesn't show up to you and go, your dream, your vision is too big. You need to simmer that down a little bit there, buddy. No. That's why I'm thankful for these men, the people that are in my life, because they're like, is that all you're going to do? And I'm like, no, I'm trying. We're doing it. He said, well, come on, let's go. That's why I let, you know, people that, that I'm letting speak into my life are people that are at a, another degree, I don't want to say level, but another degree of success. You understand that, that it doesn't mean that they're better, but they're at another degree of success. You know, I'm not going to take parenting classes from people who don't have children. And I'm certainly not going to listen to me, hear my heart. I'm not going to listen to somebody tell me how to raise my girls when they're teenagers when yours are still in diapers. I'm going to listen to that man. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to listen to that man who's, got, who's had teenagers. I'm going to listen to the ones that have and said, look, we did it wrong and we did some things right and here's what we did. That's what I'm going to listen to. And so we, we reach for those who speak into our life and call those things that be not as though they were. Don't listen to somebody's prophecy that calls those things that are as they should not be. They call those things that be not. Even if someone is in sin, the prophet comes up and says, there's a higher way. What's he doing? Calling those things that be not as though they were. Yes, you're in sin, but you don't have to stay there. It's been forgiven. It's been redeemed. The power of sin's been broken. You don't have to live there no more. Prophecy always does it. It, it. it reaches inside of you and pulls something out of you and causes you to strive to be greater. If what you can do depends totally on you and you can do it without God, then you don't need God. That's my litmus test. If what we're believing God to do with one love, we believe it to such a degree that if God doesn't show up, we're going to look like fools. That's the level that I want to be at. Because then when God does it, like Casey has said so many times, and, and Langston has said, and we've all said, when at the end of the day people go, well, how did you do that? Him. Two people. Because you get more than that, and, and they're not qualified. It will rob you. Listen to me. I'm telling you. I'm not telling you to keep a secret life forever. I'm saying there's things that you need to protect and guard, especially in this transition we're in right now. We're leaving this and we're going over here. Listen, let's bind together. Let's join together. Let's be in unity. What is one love going to look like? What is the first service going to be like? How are we, I'm totally off the reservation with my notes. 
But I'm telling you, what is it going to look like if we have to leave in 60 days? Are we just going to pick up everything and go over there and go, hallelujah, preach, and then leave? No. No. What are we going to do? We want to be that expression of love. How are we going to do that? I'll be honest with you, I want to feed people. I almost want to have the biggest barbecue, cookout, something, the first launch of One Love, and just feed whoever wants to show up. Well, that's going to be expensive. Well, what difference do you, why, why do we care? He didn't ask us to pay for it. I think three people got that. He's not asking us to pay for it. He's asking us to believe for it. Listen, this community needs what we have. They need it. They need one love. They need the demonstration, the expression of love that we carry in our hearts. Let me close with this because I don't have time to get into it. But they went to a harlot's house. It wasn't an innkeeper. It wasn't a hotel. You know what a harlot is? Do I need to pull the definition out for you? These two mighty men of God went and spent the day, the night, however long they went. They walked in the door. God used a prostitute to bring protection, provision, and a place of safety. Listen, the people that God's calling us to reach, they don't all look like us. They don't all smell like us. They don't walk like us. Not yet. How are you going to get somebody to smell good? You got to love on them. Spray some extra cologne or perfume on yourself before you come on Sunday. That way when you hug on somebody, it rubs off. A, a, a harlot's house. I was like, Lord, why a prostitute? Why? Matthew 1 features in the present genealogy differing from that one given in Luke comes well from him whose styles himself in a list of the twelve what none of the other lists do Matthew the publican he labeled himself as what he was before Christ showed up as if thereby to hold forth at the very outset the unsearchable riches of the grace which could not only fetch in them that are far off, but teach down even to publicans and harlots and raise them to be seated in heavenly places. And I got one more thing for you and then we'll close. When you follow the genealogy of Jesus, he comes from a prostitute. Put that Let's put, tell them to put that in their religious pipe and smoke it. He comes from the very ones that we disdain. How much, how many times have Christians disdained? I mean, they've created, mm, I don't know if I should say that. 
I know of churches who have had other ethnic groups come to them and say, we want to start a church, and they buy them a building and sit them over to the side where they can have their own church. Why? Because we don't want to associate with them. It's not comfortable. Your place of safety is not always going to be your place of greatest comfort. I don't know why. I think sometimes God just does stuff beyond our reasoning just so we have to walk around with a question mark above our head for the rest of our life. Because if we start trying to understand every single thing about God, then we put Him on our level. I don't know why, but can I tell you that? Can I tell you what, what I do know? I like it. I like it when He does stuff like that. I like it when He uses something that we hate to bring provision. Let me tell you something. When the hurricane struck and people were swimming and trying to save lives and, 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 and I heard a story about a guy whose daughter fell in the swimming pool and his neighbor, they had had conflict for years. He hated his neighbor. Hated him because he was of a different ethnicity and he was of a different religion. His baby girl fell in the pool and she drowned. He didn't know how to do CPR. But the neighbor that he hated, the neighbor that he disdained, the neighbor that he said, just like Cornell said, I wish he would die. That neighbor, he knew he was a paramedic. So he ran that baby over there and he didn't say, now listen. What did he say? Help. And you know what happened? They brought that baby back to life. That takes all the religious theology and just flushes it down the toilet. What you going to do now? People are drowning. They can't pay their bills. They can't get help for their body. They can't get anybody to love on them. Their, 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 their business is drowning in debt. Their friends and their relatives hate them. They've done things in their life and they carry around a dump truck load full of shame and they can't get rid of it. You got married couples that are judging the wife based off the actions of his, their previous wife and the same thing with, with the husbands. You've got people who have kids from other marriages and they try to live in a blended family and nobody's getting along. No, but do you realize that's the world we live in? You got people that are questioning their sexuality. And we don't, want to, we don't want to touch that one. Woo, we don't want to touch that one. Jesus wasn't afraid to touch anything because he knew that the power that is in me is greater than that mess that is on you. That's what one love is going to be. I mean, I want people... I almost desire... I want people that just want freedom. I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, transgender. You don't even know whether you should be a male or a female. Well, come on in, sweetheart man. We'll help you figure it out. Where else are they going to go? 
You're going to send them to the world and let the world fill their head full of crap? But I don't know what I should do with this baby. Come on, we'll help you figure it out. You ain't got to make that decision today. Well, I feel like I need to get abortion. Is there anybody telling you you got to do it today? No? Well, let's just, just take the day. Let's just pray. Let's just pray together. Come on over and spend the night with us and we'll feed you and pray over you. Let's just see what the Lord wants to do. And if you want to go get an abortion, then I'll drive you. Because you know that what's in you is greater than what's in them. Because you know you're fully persuaded and convinced that when they show up, you've got the answer. You know you can say, listen, if you don't want this baby, I'll take the baby. I'll pay for the baby. I'll pay because that's what God does. Stand to your feet. sometimes we say stuff and we don't know why we said it I think sometimes we say it out of ignorance sometimes we say it out of emotion sometimes we say things that I don't know something about the nature of taking someone that's at their dirtiest most vulnerable moment and making yourself available to get down in the dirt with them. Not because, listen, it takes poison. It takes a lot stronger poison to kill. Nothing can kill the life of God that's in you. We never were called to isolate ourselves. We were called to be lights. We were called to expose the truth. We were called to be the expression of love. And a woman that's at the verge of wanting to have an abortion, she needs love. She needs to know that somebody's going to be there. A, a, a person that's dealing with their sexuality, they just need somebody to be there for them. You afraid, what you afraid? You're going to get cooties? What are we afraid of? I was in a hospital room with someone who had open, who was having open heart surgery this past week. And there was, I bet there was 25 people in that hospital room. And I walked in, and, and, the, and the man, he's in his 70s, he called, he's 70, he called me and said, I just wanted to let you know that I was going to have open heart surgery. Would you pray for me? And at first, I was like, sure, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'll be with you. When, when are you going to have the surgery, blah, blah, blah. And, I, you know, you did like, I'm just being transparent. So don't look at me with condemnation, okay? That's okay. Yeah, we'll pray for you. I see. I, I, I think I can make it down there to, to be there, there before you, you know, before your surgery. This was on, he called me on a Friday. He was having surgery Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday. He was having surgery Tuesday. And I got off the phone and I went inside. And I told my helpmate, 
Thank God for helping me. I said, such and such has called me and they have an open heart surgery. We need to be, you know, we need to be praying for him. I, I'm going to go see him. I'm going to go, you know, be there for him during the surgery. And she said, what did you pray for him? I said, no. I told him, what you mean you didn't pray for him? He said, the man done called you and you didn't pray for him? And I was like, well, I mean, I had, you know, she was, I can't even, I can't even with you right now. I know you're looking at me with them judgmental eyes. And so I went back and I called him back and I said, listen, I have to apologize. You asked me to pray and I didn't pray. And I said, now it's Friday. That means you got to go the rest of the day Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, and all day Tuesday. You know, Tuesday the surgery was after 12. You got to go almost five days with this thing hanging over your head. And I said, there's that rain we've been receiving. And I said, listen, let me pray for you. And I prayed for him. I rebuked the spirit of fear and all that stuff, you know. And I walked into that room, and there was 25 people, and they were all sitting around crying. Some of them were crying because it's an emotional thing. And I thought, Lord Jesus, I felt like Jesus, we got to get these people out of here. He won't ever make it through out of surgery. I was like, all right, Lord, what you want me to do? What you want me to say? And there was people throwing that stuff. Well, you know, if it's, God, if it's your time, it's your time. I started to say, you know what? Everybody pull your Bibles out. Let's go right here. I said, no, this, I can't. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, just give it a second. And they just went around and around and around. And so while they were talking, I just gently sneaked up next to him and I said, look at me. How you feel? And he said, well, I'm nervous. I said, they used to be nervous. They do two or three surgeries a day. This was in Albany. They do two or three things. They crack people's chests open all the time. This is like pulling wisdom teeth. But it's a serious surgery. Yeah, but they, I mean, they pretty much got it down pat now. They said they weren't even going to have to take his heart out. Just do the surgery right there. It's a harder surgery, but it's better for the patient. So you don't have to take the heart and lay it on the table and work on it and put it back in the body. And so while they're, the louder they got, the louder I got with him. I was just talking to him. I was like, look at him. They got this. Listen, the Lord's got you. Look at me. I'm here. He's here. Everybody's here. The Lord's got you. The Lord's got you. And I was just trying to encourage him. And then one lady said, can we pray? I said, we certainly can. We can pray. I didn't even ask nobody. Because I wasn't. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the healer, you sent. And I mean, I just got on a roll. I just... I said, you sent the Holy Spirit as a comforter. I declare comfort over him, over every person in this room. Peace. I was the last person to see him before he went back. And he came out great. Not me. Listen to me. But I'm telling you, what would have happened if I hadn't prayed that Friday? What would have happened if I had just treated it? No, the man asked me, what did he say? He said, come, my daughter is dead. She ain't dead. She just sleep. How many people have asked you to pray and you just, and we just, in the name of Jesus. No, they're giving us an invitation to step all up in their cookies and say, in the name of Jesus and declare dominion and power 
That's what he's called us to do in this culture, in this world. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that even if we don't have anybody to agree with us, you said you would be our agreeer. You said you sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Thank you that he will be our helper. That even in the midst of what it seems like to be giving birth to something, we can put our trust in you. We can put our trust and confidence in that group, in that people that you've given us. Lord, we know that our minds need to change. We need to have a shift in our mindset. I'm asking you to give us wisdom on a greater level than we've ever had before. You said any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask. We're asking. Give us. We receive wisdom in the name of Jesus. We receive it. We tap into it for clarity and insight to help us love the unlovable, to help us reach the unreachable, and to help us do the impossible. We ask you in the name of Jesus. I feel like I need to correct something. When I said you drive her, she's looking for an abortion, you can drive her to the clinic. I didn't mean that she was going to drive her to have an abortion. I meant you drive her to that place where she sees and senses the freedom that you put her in that place where it causes uncomfortableness in us. We've got to be willing to get out of the comfortable and embrace the uncomfortable. And never violate what's in us. Never violate the scripture. Never violate the principle. Never violate truth. But Jesus looked at the woman that was caught in adultery and the law said and he said Nobody's left. Neither do I accuse you. And in the freedom of that no accusation, in that grace he extended to her, was the power to go and sin no more. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Langston, why don't you dismiss us since Inez kind of opened us up. You close us out. As the music plays and as we worship today, our prayers and our praise changes the atmosphere. And most of the songs that we sung about today spoke of rain. And rain occurs when our atmosphere gets super saturated with with humidity and it reaches a critical point where it begins to express itself is rain. If we will change our hearts and turn our hearts towards the Father, He desires to pour from heaven His presence to supersaturate these earthly bodies so that they will pour and they will leak and they will express His nature and His love everywhere we go. That's what it's about. To anybody here today, you're here today for a reason. These altars, this front is open for you to come and to step into a deeper level of who he is. We will be standing up here 
to pray with you, to ask for the supersaturation to occur in every aspect of your life, whether it's your finances, your health, if you're walking through depression, if you're walking through any type of issue at the job, at home, in this society, the Lord is wanting to pour out. He is wanting it to rain into your life even right now. I ask you to come. Before your mind stops you, I ask you to come. I ask you to stand up here right now. I ask you to come, and we will pray with you. You know, I spoke at the conference that we went to. Benny Hinn, Marilyn Hickey, Kent Copeland, many, many others. 7 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. In the midst of worship, in the midst of just teaching. You know, we have some great teaching here, but it was multiplied by so many speakers that hear from God. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is Marilyn Hickey, who is 86 years old. Tremendous woman of God. She's now called the mother of Pakistan. And she gives a testimony at 86 years old. She says, listen, I was just a pastor's wife at 70 years old. And my husband, as a retired pastor, got sick. And she talked about a love for her husband and how he had passed away. And her ministry started at 70 years old, where she started to go beyond just teaching in the church, beyond just being a school teacher. She believed God. And she wanted his heart. And she believed for Pakistan, which is not a Christian country. It's a Muslim country where Christians are hated or were hated. 2004, her heart went towards Pakistan. And she gives a whole testimony. And she says, it got to a point where the doors kept closing. But she says, I got down to the point where my husband's retirement came up. And I received a large amount of money, and there's a lot of things that I could have done with it. But the Holy Spirit, through prayer, said it was time to sow that as a seed. And she says, and I took it. She says, my son was against it. She says, Mom, if you sow that seed, you're going to have to live in my basement, and I don't want that. But she believed what God said, and she sowed $300,000 into a ministry. And in six months, God began to open up Pakistan, where she had favor with the Grand Iman. I think she called him Fazi. And you can check this out. You can pull it up on the internet and kind of see how she has reached and has gone before audiences of one million non-Christians and has led major ministries there, which has seen 95% of them come to Christ. She has now also gained favor with that Iman who has now put her on radio in 121 countries where she now is seen by over 121 million. So in the Muslim countries, they're now beginning to hear the name Jesus spoken. And there are hundreds of thousands that are turning to Christ every day because of a seed. One of the speakers spoke. I think his name was Brian Guerin. And I'm, I may be paraphrasing it incorrectly. But he says if what you've got in your hand, whatever it is, is not able to meet your need. Get it? Not able to meet your need. Sow it as a seed so that it can bless and it will change a nation. What you've got in your hand cannot meet your need. Sow it and watch what that thing will do. Inez are, and I are believing. We have not told anybody and we're not going to tell you, but God has made a promise to us. And he asked us to sow something. He asked us to change something. 
And every time we come back, he changes something different in our heart. And he puts even a more of a fire. When you think you've got it, God says, I've got more. And he downloads more. Say more. He wants that even in you. There's some of you who said, okay, yeah, uh, seats here, not a lot here. Well, maybe I need to do something different. Maybe I need to look. But you're here for a reason. And I honor you and I bless you for that. But I'm going to ask you to stand firm in your prayer, in your giving, in your words, in your thought life, in what you say. Because God's going to use that to impact this area. You know, we're believing for revival in this area to start based upon what we're doing. We're believing that what we have is a seed, a remnant of people who trusted and believed God with everything that we have. You know, pastor said, I dare to be foolish because if God doesn't show up, and we know that he is, I believe a revival is getting ready to start with people whose hearts are turned towards him. So I ask you to come and to stay with us and to stay in faith and to trust one another and to become family just like the New Testament church. That's what we've been called to do. Again, these altars are open for anybody that needs to, to have a touch or needs to hear a word. Inez and I will be here. I can call the other elders up. If everybody needs to be up for I bid you to come. But right now, I want to close you out in prayer. Father, I thank you for the Spirit. I thank you for the Spirit of God. I thank you that you have come and that you've given me salvation. I thank that you have blessed us and given us all a link to the kingdom of heaven. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for the one love from the kingdom of heaven that has changed our lives forever. Father, and I bless your name over these people. I bless their finances. I bless their dreams. But Father, I ask them to also be willing to take the supernatural promise that you've given from the kingdom of heaven because you've given us the authority to be seated in high places. And that's not, not, that's not when it comes. That's now. We are seated in high places with him right now. And it's almost like we have to close our eyes and imagine ourselves seated in heaven. We've got Father God. We've got Jesus, our big brother. And then there's us. And in that place, we rule and reign. We call that place of heaven to earth right now. And we open our eyes and everything that we touch, everything that we see, we have authority over it. So let us be the speakers of the kingdom of heaven in everything that we touch and see this day in our lives. We ask that things grow towards what the kingdom has called them to be. We ask that they flourish, that they live, that they thrive, and that no harm can come to them. Because there are angels which are dispatched right now that are battling for us right now. And we receive that as we go from this place. I ask that you keep us. Keep us safe from the enemy, for they have no authority. Keep us blessed because we are blessed. Give us the eyes, the kingdom, the mouth, the authority of heaven right now to rule and reign as we go from here. Let us be contagious in our environment during this next week. Let our words be not, but let the actions of our heart move this nation and this area for the kingdom of God right now. And I bless you as you go from this place. I honor you as you go from this place. And until I see you again, I thank God for you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.